Welcome to the Medical Mnemonist Podcast, brought to you by Med School Coach. Each episode, take a journey into the top techniques for medical mnemonics, study skills, board exam tips, and accelerated learning in higher education. Now, here's your host, Chase DeMarco. Today, I am joined by Polly S. Moy, and he is a co-founder of a really cool medical card game, Table Rounds. He's been passionate about medical education, and we're going to discuss some of the topics of how medicine is changing, how medical education is changing, and why this card game might be a good choice for you. So, Polyus, welcome to the show, and please tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, thanks for having me, Chase. I don't even know where to start. I mean, my brief bio would be that I've lived in many different places and cultures. I was born in Russia. I grew up in Lithuania. Moved to the States when I was 14. Boston was my home for seven years before I started med school at VCU in Richmond. And VCU really won me over because it had an incredible family medicine track called FM Stat. And that's really why I chose to go there. Taking the time to get to know myself in my 20s, I knew what brought me joy and what kind of challenges I like to tackle. And so pre med was no different. I completed my requirements for med school while working a full-time job. And I really told myself that if I didn't enjoy becoming a physician, I really would not probably enjoy being a physician. And so I took the same approach to med school is that I prioritized myself over school. And I think that it worked out quite well. I got to pursue my interests while becoming a physician. And I really wouldn't do it in any other way. I got lucky and I got to graduate in three years. And right now I'm a family medicine resident and this is my first year. Perfect. You kind of dated yourself there when I was in my 20s. But... I know. <laughs> it's all right. I'm there with you. So, all right. Then I want to talk about this card game a little bit and we'll come back to it at the end, but just give a brief description of like what it is and how it might benefit students right now? So, I mean, that's a really good question. I think it makes sense to talk about it, maybe what made me decide to want to start this. Okay. It really came from me studying with my classmates and it was inspired just by our study group and how we learned from each other. And so, like, for example, my friend Graham would quiz me on just asking, for example, how do you treat cellulitis? And, you know, I'd say, okay, maybe clindamycin. And he's like, what else about clindamycin? And I think, hmm, C. diff. Okay. And then he's like, what's next? What do you, what can you relate to C. diff? And I would say, you know, PO Vank. And then what about Vank? And you could connect it to, you know, Redman syndrome, or you could think about AKI. And essentially building off of these connections and associations in medicine has really opened up my eyes to the fact that, you know, studying medicine is just about connecting a lot of clues. And when you, you know, see a patient, whether in the office or in the ED, and you're trying to figure out what's going on with them, they're telling you all these disconnected pieces that it's up to you to identify what's pertinent and kind of connect them within the medical framework. And so out of that kind of grew the concept of discovering the hidden connections in medicine. And that's really what Table Rounds is about. It's essentially taking the pieces that may not be obvious to others and showing how they're linked. And it was almost easier to create the game than not to create it because 
the whole theme of trying, you know, enjoying what you're doing in school, I really thought about how to package it and give that experience to others so that it could be replicated. Because medical is plenty stressful and there's a certain element to its culture that just puts you on a treadmill. And sometimes you think that you don't have a choice to get off. You're forced to, you know, stay on pace and it's an intense fire hose of information. And it just, you know, I love the challenge, but I really like the challenge on my own terms. And I feel like this game gave me that and creating it has been a process. It's been a very collaborative process, which I think is reflective of what medicine is. And there's so much isolation in medical school. And it almost came about as a response to that because, you know, we practice medicine in teams. There are nurses and pharmacists and specialists and so on, but we're forced to study by ourselves. You know, many of us, they just laptop screens. And we like, even if we study together, we, you know, like the way I've, I studied for step one, we'd sit in a room and look at our own laptops and just hang out during study breaks kind of thing. But I just think that there's so much opportunity to change that. There is. Yeah. And speaking of the treadmill you were saying, yeah, I think mine was broken. It kept kicking me off here and there. So (laughs) (laughs) led to all these other projects. And I'm curious about your kind of the mindset behind it, you said that you and your classmates were asking a lot of open-ended questions, and that's really the best way to test once you get to a certain level of knowledge anyway. Make sure you're calling it. It's a form of space repetition, active learning. So it's much better than just rereading the textbook or your notes or something like that. That's, those forms of passive learning don't really work. So in past episodes about games, we had Dr. Eric Gantworker that came on talking about some of the app games that they have that are more for residents and physicians are really interactive. We had Carl Knapp talking about some game theory that was really interesting. So if any of the audience wants to listen to past episodes, but then one that I was thinking of in particular was the first gamification episode we did. And it was with Keegan Longwheeler, sort of like a choose your own destination. It's very open-ended, kind of like when you and your classmates are quizzing each other. Is it more of an active learning style in that manner? Exactly. So this game is designed as an active experience. And we, you know, this is an obvious statement to say that passive learning just does not work. And that's the current paradigm of medicine. Obviously, we have a lot more case-based learning, which is not necessarily executed to its fullest potential. But the idea is that you know, a lot of the standardized testing that we go through forces us into one specific multiple choice question, and there's always the right answer. But the real world is really messy. And so the real world does not have the answer in the back of the book. And this game essentially attempts to mimic that environment. And it creates a safe space for you to be vulnerable with your friends and your peers and your educators to try to identify what you don't know. And the best way to do that is by when you try to teach others. And so that's kind of the whole premise is that the way this game was created is that our first game has 280 cards. And so those cards are divided into five categories of roughly even number of cards. So some of the cards contain signs and symptoms, essentially the clinical findings that you would get from talking to a patient or examining the patient. So the patient could tell you that they have cough or they have swelling in their legs or 
whatever on the exam, you would notice that there's erythema or crackles or whatnot. Then you would essentially go to the workup part of the game and you would order specific lab tests. Then these lab tests would have results. So for example, if your workup is a CBC, you would end up getting leukocytosis or leukopenia or thrombocytosis. There are many more options. Then based on that, you would essentially try to peg it to a specific diagnosis or a differential of diagnoses. And then the last category of cards would be the treatment cards, how you would treat those. And so you have kind of the basic paradigm of encountering the patient and then taking you through the journey of medicine to then treating that patient. And so we've combed through a ton of resources, kind of every book you can imagine that you would want to read in med school. We specifically looked at USMLE guidelines and seeing what they test at different stages for step one, step two, and step three, and then try to pick out the cards that have the most connections to each other. So we kind of tossed out the cards that are too vague, like pain. Like it's not something that you can make a good teaching point with. I mean, you can, but there are a lot better cards out there. And then we also excluded obviously things that are very specific. So that landed us with 280 cards that we think really allow you to make most of the connections about foundational concepts in medicine. And we all hated those little minute details anyway, that's after the step exam, you're probably not going to see unless you're in a very niche specialty. Yeah, true. And so when you have these cards, it essentially allows you to learn very differently than I think what we're used to. But I do believe that it mimics a lot more of the reality of experiencing the patient and trying to help them and trying to think of all the things that connect to that experience. And I do think that it's very difficult to do it, but the fact that you can create somewhat of a playful approach to it and have a sense of environment where it's a learning type of culture. So it's okay to be wrong and it's okay not to have the right answer. And I think that's really, I did not get a lot of that in my experience going through medical school. And so this is, I think, one way to bring more of that to the experience of med students and educators. Same. I was just having a conversation with some colleagues today about gamification in medicine and What can we do to bring more of this, to make it more interesting and get out of the lecture hall, make it more interactive and make it more comprehensive too? Because at least from the medical school that I went to, I probably would not be able to play your game until my third year. I would not have had enough of the foundational and conceptual knowledge through all of first year and probably most of second year to be able to answer a lot of those questions. So I think putting everything together in a very fun and intuitive way is definitely a benefit to anyone trying to really learn this material and not just kind of memorize stuff out of a textbook. That's a good point. And actually, I was I thought exactly the same thing that you just said, that you need to have a certain foundation to be able to make these connections. But on our team, we have people that are not clinical, that are actually not even in medicine. And we also have our team members that are in preclinical years in medical school. And we've played a number of times with everybody. And just by having access to the internet and resources, it's been incredible where like I've lost to people that have had no medical training, just in a sense that 
someone was able just to look up how the certain things connect and teach me something that I didn't know. And they were able to, you know, get rid of their cards first and kind of advance through the game quicker. It's really counterintuitive, but I just think it all depends on the kind of culture that you create that relates to learning and being vulnerable and okay with making mistakes is what it's about. Okay. So that's interesting. So pre-meds, nursing students, pharmacy students, it could be useful for a broad range of healthcare students and you don't need a background and you can have fun with your friends and teach each other something. Certainly it's probably you would have the most benefit being a third year student or fourth year student entering the clerkship years or a resident. But I think it certainly surprised me what other, I guess, participants in the game players could offer that I didn't even know. That's really cool. All right, then I think an interesting thing to discuss further is where do you think gamification is going to go in the future of medical education? Like, have you seen other games played other card games or apps or video games? Have you seen any that stand out as more educational or more fun? Because there always seems to be that balance between fun and educational. Like, what are the goals and how do we also learn from it? Just kind of curious to hear your general thoughts on that. You know, that's a great question. I actually don't know if I have an answer to that, but I think that listening to your podcast and you being the person who connects all these people to the shared comment, I guess, shared interest of medical education innovation, I think is really the way to get a pulse on what's happening in this space. And I actually, so we've obviously done some market analysis and figuring out what other creative approaches to learning exist out there. I think everyone is doing something different and interesting. And to me, the future of medical education would be empowering students to create their own games. So I'm definitely taking the perspective of that. Our game is not the answer, but our approach of hanging out with your friends, coming up of a fun way to study it. And then if you wanted to share that experience with others, would be really the way of the future of medical education because what I've created, what's relevant right now in 2021 is great and it's you know applicable. But I do think that as things evolve and medicine advances, there will be others, whether it's five years or 10 years or whatever, 20 years from now, that will have a much better approach to studying something. And especially with like virtual reality technology coming, you know, becoming kind of more common. And you know, I just think that there's so much that could happen, that it's all about empowering students to question the status quo and thinking of different ways to come up with something. And our game is just an example that it's possible. You know, we've launched pretty recently, but it's been flying off the shelves. And it's fun when your group of friends supports you and buys a game and whatnot. But once we've started reaching people who don't know us and they've just thought that it was cool and they decided to get a copy for themselves. That's been really fun feeling. And I just could not have anticipated what it felt like. You know, essentially it's your baby in a sense that you've created and brought onto the world and you get other people to interact with it. Yeah, I definitely love that feeling. And the crowdsourced ability is just so much easier nowadays I think actually it was in the Carl Knapp episode and anyone that wants to look for that episode, I'll put in the show notes because it's Carl with a K and then Knapp is K-N-A-P-P in case you're searching for it. There's a lot of resources in that episode in particular that allow students to go on and make their own card games. And I thought that was 
very intriguing design because just like you said, the future of education, the future of everything is going to be the current students, how they're learning, what they're learning, what types of materials they're creating that next generations can use. It's just like the Anki databases. You can go on and use tens of thousands of cards in this deck, just download it that someone else made for you. So if we kind of do the same thing with games and with other resources, then it's just going to be so much easier for students to teach at the level of students, because sometimes the professors might not teach to the level of certain students or any of their students, depending on the instructor. So I do think mashing those kind of audiences together a little bit more and allowing more resources to be created is going to be very important in the future. Exactly. And I think what you just mentioned about teaching to the level of where the learner is, is really key because it's impossible to assess that in a lecture hall or even a recorded session. And I, what I've really seen come to life is exactly that when people are playing and even, and they're, they think that they know something and then they get to the point of trying to teach somebody else, even in simple terms, and they're not able to, or they had something backwards it really point, it gives you feedback in real time. It allows you to essentially iterate. And then it connects you to that emotion of playing the game. And as we know, emotion is really intensely linked to memory. And so just the way that I think your podcast premise is about better learning strategies, finding mnemonics, finding these memory hooks to help you retain information. I have so many different teaching points and clinical pearls that I've acquired throughout building table rounds, I can think back to a different location and different set of people that I played the game with. And it brings me a memory of trying to remember how, you know, hyperthyroidism is related to leukocytosis. Like that's actually something that came up yesterday when I was playing with my co-resident and like he made this obvious connection and I didn't really see it. But then it made me wonder what the mechanism behind it was. And I couldn't find an obvious answer. So then we took it to Twitter and had a bunch of faculty in like all over essentially academic institutions get involved and offer their input. And then someone ended up citing like a paper from 1988 that talked about the mechanism of leukocytosis in, you know, overdrived thyroid state. Anyway, it's just... This is not what's going to give you the answers, but this is what is going to connect you to people. It's, this is what's going to make you think and question things. And it's just a fun process. And it just gives you an excuse to deepen the connections to your team, gives you an excuse to be playful and have that human element in the medical education system, which I think is oftentimes not designed to have that. And do you think this could actually go into some of the thought processes behind group studying, because that's something that a lot of students have trouble with. I did. I was not very sociable, still not most of the time. I did not like going into group study sessions. It just wasn't my thing. Tried a few times, was uncomfortable, didn't feel like I was learning much. And it seems like this, although maybe not the highest yield aspect of your study session for that day, could be a great way, like you said, to connect with other peers, with people in higher or lower tiers of their educational journey, and just kind of learn from each other. And that experiential learning, as you said, now you'll recall something from playing the game with this group of people versus this group of people. It just sounds like it could really help with group study tactics, getting people together. 
it makes me so happy that you recognize this because actually the name of our company is called Low Yield Productions. And it's the whole wordplay that, you know, this isn't what's going to get you at whatever 270 on a step exam. But there's an important caveat to it. And by the way, speaking of low yield facts, one of my friends was teaching me that there is a renal tubular acidosis type four that we like never learn about, but there is one. And the only way we learned that exists is because we were trying to teach each other something through this game. And it just led us to this like rabbit hole. But what I'm trying to say is this, actually, if this is so interesting, this was, this was back in my pre-med days. I was watching some YouTube talk about leadership and it was one of those Google talks that you can look up. And I actually don't remember who is the speaker, but he's an author. And he was making this whole premise that he's like, look, you guys are at Google. Just to get through the door, you had to have an incredibly high IQ. And all of you are incredibly smart in this room. So imagine he had a whiteboard and he drew like IQ on the y-axis and EQ being meaning emotional quotient on the x-axis. And he was saying that all of you guys are clustered in the top left in terms of IQ. And now what's going to differentiate you from your manager who's sitting next to you is the x-axis. And it's the emotional quotient that's going to determine who's going to lead others. And it's all about the soft skills that are neglected in medicine. It's all about the interpersonal skills. It's all about how you relate to others, how you communicate, how you create that space for people to communicate with each other. Because you can always have in a group a toxic personality. Like you could have gunners that just don't care about others. And sure, they could teach you 10 times more connections or whatever that you know would get you maybe more answers on an exam, but it's not going to be a good experience for anybody. And so if you're able to think about how, what it takes to have a, an enjoyable experience in learning and how do you notice that this person who's maybe not speaking up during the game, how could they be involved? It just essentially creates a whole other dynamic of engaging with the people that you play with and the people that you learn with. And then it gives educators a whole other lens to essentially get a sense of how someone interacts as a team member. Would you want to work with this person essentially, you know? Yeah. I'd say EQ is why patients and nurses don't like doctors and why lawsuits happen and why a lot of very important things that are skipped over in medicine. Actually, we do cover a section of that in read this before medical school, the whole emotional intelligence. And yeah, you hit a certain ceiling with IQ, especially when everyone's at the same IQ. So how do you break through that ceiling? Well, you need something more than just smarts, just IQ. And that's where EQ seems to come in and really put you above the pack. So very important to learn that. And interesting that, yes, these group dynamics can potentially be a learning aspect for that. Google is no different from being in med school. I mean, in, in terms of just smart people getting in through the door, you know, the EQ is the differentiating factor. And what's actually been very interesting is kind of on the topic of soft skills is as we've been, you know, in launching this game, we've conducted multiple focus groups to try to pull um, our peers to find out what works and what doesn't with our game. And even actually recently talking to some chief residents who were curious to learn how they could use table rounds as a teaching tool. 
they raised a lot of really interesting questions. They were asking about, well, how do you create a sense of safety in this learning space? How do you ensure that people, as a facilitator, how do you make that a good experience for others? And I think that's something that we're trying to systematize better. Part of me doesn't even think that there is a cookie cutter approach, but just the fact that we're beginning to ask this question is really encouraging. And it's really inspiring that this is what we're beginning to care about. Well, I think this game is going to be really fun and I'm kind of curious to try it out myself, but I do have another question here for you. And I kind of like to end it on sort of a personal note, if you don't mind. So if there's one thing that you could go back in time and change, what would it be? And are you referring to my medical school experience? It can be anything, personal, medical. Well, I think I could talk about medical school because I think, you know, this is an experience that many of the people listening to it might relate to. I think my school had a culture of and probably not unique to my school of people not going to class, especially when it was optional. I went to nearly every class, even though it was not the most high yield thing that I could do with my time. I could watch the lectures at home on 2X or 2.5X and like have a free afternoon. But I really chose to go to class and like sit in the front row. And it was, I really thought of it as flying first class because you had a lot more room in the front row. And so I just enjoyed that. But by doing that, I actually got to connect with the educators and my professors and faculty who I still keep in touch with. I got to meet the friends who are helping me build this game and we're doing it as a team. And I really wish that I found better ways to connect with my other classmates because everyone in medicine, for the most part, is really incredible and have really noble motives and they give themselves to the field of medicine and care of patients. And I just did not get to know as much of my class as I wish I did. And ultimately, you know, to me, life is about people and people create the things that we value. And medical school is no different. I think this is just a microcosm. And it's crazy that, you know, we're forced to isolate to succeed. And I just think that needs to be different. Interesting. I kind of disagree with the going to class, but that depends on your classroom as well. Some classes were much more fun to go to and others you would learn a lot more if you just stayed home that day. But that's just for the studying aspect. Like you said, it takes out the human aspect, which is very important. So I kind of wish there were more extracurriculars, more other events that students could go to. But being a stressed out, very busy med student, that's probably not something a lot of them would actually go to anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I hear you. And I think, I think you echo the sentiment of the majority of the people. And I think my approach is probably definitely in the extreme minority, but I just think that this is my take on things. And this is why I enjoy connecting with people and, you know, building relationships. And I just ultimately think that what brings me joy and it's almost not necessarily respective to me doing really well on an exam. I like it. Well, I'm glad that we can start to build this relationship as well. And where can the audience find out more about you and the game? We have a website. It's called playtablerounds.com. I think that's probably the best place to go and check it out. And you can go from there. I think there's a contact us page that you can send us a 
message. I'm not really a social media person, but I just made a Twitter account as we were launching the game, or I made it earlier in the year, but started using it very recently. And so I'm trying to be more active. And so if you want to connect with me there, I'd be happy to, you know, share my experiences and very approachable. I'm really interested in finding ways for us to mentor interested students in clinical reasoning. And I think there's a lot of ways to do this through table rounds or even just by sheer fact that I have more experience than a medical student and they're curious what residency is like. I'm very open to connecting with everybody, even if it's not related to the game that we're talking about. I just think that I've gotten to the point where I am now because of the people that I met along the way and the people that took the time to answer my questions and give me direction and kind of encourage me in my pursuits. And I think that made all the difference. Great sentiments. I like it. Well, Dr. Polyus Moy, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you. Have you been thinking about one-on-one training and tutoring at a reasonable price? Well, Prospective Doctor is now sponsoring a limited number of free sessions with me each month. To register, you can go to prospectivedoctor.com chase and register for a free 30-minute coaching session. If you decide that you want to use their MCAT or USMLE tutoring services, you can now use the code CHASE10 to receive 10% off of your first $400 spent. Just enter CHASE10 and get your discount now. The Medical Mnemonist Podcast is powered by Med School Coach. To access Med School Coach services, including USMLE tutoring and residency admissions advising, visit our website at medschoolcoach.com. Good luck as you prepare for your board exams, and we hope you tune in again next time.